0: This event is supported by Methodist Healthcare Ministries of South Texas, Anheuser-Busch, the Texas Municipal League, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas, Fibertown, Texas State Technical College, the Texas Association of School Business Officials, the Hackett Center for Mental Health at the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute, and Southwest Airlines, the official airline of Texas Tribune events. It is hosted by Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi. Media support is provided by the Corpus Christi Caller Times. Foundation support is provided by the Hatton W. Sumners Foundation and the Houston Endowment.
1: I want to start with you, Senator Hinojosa, and a quick overview of the biggest concern in your district when the storm hit today, and what do you think it'll be in a year?
2: Well, uh, first of all, I guess when the um, Harvey came in, uh, we were very much concerned here in Corpus Christi, in Oasis County. My district runs from uh, the western part of Hidalgo, uh, uh, Brooks County, Jim Wells, and east uh, all of uh, Nueces County, Corpus Christi, except for uh, uh, San Patricio County, uh, and Port uh, uh, Arkansas, uh, Port Aransas. Uh, one of the things that happens is that we were very much concerned when uh, they predicted that the hurricane would hit Corpus Christi head on, uh, and we took every precaution necessary to protect property, protect lives, and prepare. Uh, but quite frankly, uh, Corpus Christi, Nueces County dodged uh, a bullet, uh, and uh, we uh, got uh, lucky in that the hurricane hit north uh, of Nueces County, uh, and Port Aransas and Rockport really uh, received the brunt of the damage. Corpus Christi and Nueces County, we got a lot of wind damage. Uh, obviously, uh, there were some concerns about other type of. Uh, uh, damage to was caused in terms of science and some of the infrastructure, uh, older homes, uh, but the reality is that compared to other areas, we were very fortunate and lucky Our uh, biggest problem has to do with uh, uh, our schools in trying to accommodate and help out our neighbors, uh, Port Aransas and uh, Rockport, uh, and reaching out to provide support uh, in terms of, uh, not only in terms of first responders, uh, but medicine, food, shelter, and taking in some of the students. Uh, who were displaced uh, because of the damage done to the public schools?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mr. Herrera, where do you think we are now, and kind of the same question.
0: How yeah, you- I mean, I, I, first of all, good morning, and thank you for allowing me to be here and part of the panel. Uh, obviously, the storm uh, did substantial damage. Uh, we took a lot of the brunt here uh, as a wind-driven event, uh, obviously a hurricane very uh, large Category 4, I think, is what what made landfall. Um, and so when you think of damage, think of it in every aspect of, of that term. Uh, there's still people that have not been able to rebuild their homes, businesses that uh, had to shut down. Um, so the the devastation is, is real. Uh, and it's an ongoing process. And I, I would guess that it would take uh, years to come before uh, our area is back to where it was before the storm. So it's, it, there's great need. Uh, this is an area that must not be forgotten because uh, we were the, the the direct impact, if you will, of, of landfall for Hurricane Harvey. So more work still needs to be done. Uh, I think from a state's perspective, uh, everyone that was involved did a great job in monitoring the storm, uh, noticing that it was going to make landfall in our area, making preparations for that, uh, where I think that we, and and then even through the storm, everyone did a great job, first responders, everyone, the elected officials that have to make the decision as to whether or not to evacuate, all of that was well coordinated. Where I think that, at least where I'm learning from our perspective, is that the state was not prepared for the recovery. I think in all times, at least that I've lived here uh, in 40 plus years, you know, we've been able to dodge a storm, if you will, not direct impact, and we've been able to say, hey, you know, evacuation really isn't an evacuation because it really doesn't really hit us. And this time, it really did hit us. And so this storm has made uh, a lot of damage, as the Senator mentioned, in the schools, the businesses, uh, everything. Everyone's livelihood, if you will, uh, has been changed because of this storm. And and I think if we can do a better job now, learning from these experiences moving forward, the state will be in a better position to be be able to help our communities and individuals recover from the storm.
1: Mr. Lozano, how'd your district go through this?
3: Well, um, it it got hit by, uh, it took a direct hit. Uh, San Patricio County is everything north of uh, the Harbor Bridge, essentially. Um, And there are different phases. The first phase was uh, the San Patricio. Uh, evacuation order that saved thousands of lives. Right. Um, the day, the morning after the hurricane, after the sun rose, uh, is a day that uh, forever changed my life. I had never been in a natural disaster area. Um, I took off uh, in my vehicle. I uh, went straight to Ingleside on the Bay, since I had just been there recently. And these are retired communities. Um, homes on stilts on a channel that are made of uh, vinyl siding, um, and I pictured them in peril. Um, mm-hmm. So I went through 40 inches of water. My vehicle can, can take that. <laughs> and um, I realized I was hitting power lines with my windshield. Um, and as, as you got over the Harbor Bridge through Portland, the poles were bent progressively and progressively worse. Um, it showed the power of the wind, and um, it, it was it was frightening. Um, one of the homes the, that had a vehicle in the park in the driveway, I pictured someone in there dying. And I didn't see ambulances. It was just hours after sunrise, you know. Right. But your anxiety is asking the question, where is everyone? But there, it takes time to deploy. Um, fortunately, almost everyone had evacuated and moved into the phase of that search and recovery. Literally, within about two hours, I saw a fleet of DPS vehicles driving into Aransas Pass. Right. Um, a fleet of city of Portland police officers driving in. Uh, hours after that, there were convoys of barbecue trucks coming from the valley. To cook for people, uh, for, since no one had electricity, there was no cell phone coverage, and it showed the goodwill uh, of uh, that's deep within everyone's heart. Um, and one of the things I, I've learned recently, I'm currently getting my doctorate at Vanderbilt, and uh, we studied a, the the response of Reuters following 9/11. Most people were just in chaos; they couldn't operate, and Reuters. Continued, and their plans were implemented. Um, But nothing is perfect. No one can ever be fully prepared for a disaster. They can have mock uh, trials, but when it happens, nothing goes perfect. And it's important that everyone understand that because our first responders, our state government, did everything they can, Um, and we learned from everything. And through a feedback loop, we we make. Uh, And so that's where we are right now, uh, analyzing, uh, uh, establishing, and implementing procedures to ensure that if we are hit again, that that we'll do even better.
1: Mr. Hunter, where are we now? You were in the district most, I guess this this big piece of water right out here is all your district. Um, You you had a pretty direct hit.
4: I wasn't pretty direct. We were directly hit. You know, I want to thank Texas Tribune to... For you being here, we're trying to figure out where everybody's been since August 25th and 26th. It was snowing. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, I, I wanna compliment you, you're here. We've been forgotten. Let's just call it like it is, everybody. August 25th, where did Hurricane Harvey come? It was here. Everybody forgets we were hit directly. We were the first, and we were the first forgotten, as far as I'm concerned. I have people living in tents Still, we have people that are forgotten. They can't even figure out whether they want to stay here. I mean, nine months, everybody, is next week. Nine months. Hurricane season starts up again June 1st. And I mean, I'm thanking the Tribune. We're the wind zone. We're not the water. All I hear about is floods. This is the wind zone. Completely different set of rules and regulations. And so I wanna call it like it is. When we go on to the next legislative session, we gotta talk school finance. What does that have to do with hurricanes? How do you fund a Robin Hood school that doesn't got any money, right, Port Aransas? What about health concerns? We haven't even gotten there yet, everybody. I've been to the doctor Two or three times for eye abrasions, everybody in their coastal communities, Ross. What about the people that live there 24-7? What about your insurance woes? Sometimes I wonder if there is insurance. So we've got a lot of stuff. The compliment is that you came to the wind zone. Nine months next week. and I haven't really seen a lot of focus on what happened on the area that was first hit in this state, and I'm—I mean it. I think we were the first forgotten.
1: What's the, what's the current state of repair here? While you're on this, well, um, I'd
4: like to know repair. I, I don't know about the state. I keep waiting for the repairs to
1: come down here. Well, I just, I'm just as you know, you get through the you get through the emergency, right? You get through the.
3: There's different parts, so like in Aransas Pass, one of the first things I noticed actually that morning at the HEB filming, I turned off my phone and I I looked and said, where's the water tower? There was a water tower right there and it just, as I panned I realized there's no water tower and that's the only water tower for the city of Aransas Pass. Um, Governor Abbott, when uh, I I first let them know about that and and Chancellor Sharp. Within 30 seconds, I got a response back, and within 20 minutes, I was told that the city of Ransas Pass would not have to pay a penny for that water tower. They would get it from federal and, and state funds, and, and that's, that's great for the, the city. The tower's back now? It's not up yet, but it's, it's, that's going to happen, right. uh, and not, not on the taxpayer dime for the city of Ranzas Pass.
1: Well, that's my question. What's
3: the there, state of— well, let me jump in. Let, different, let's different—
4: If you want to look at the state of repair— Let's take all of us plus the Aransas County. Let me give you a little bit of a flavor. Rockport schools, Port Aransas schools closed. They had to ship kids to other school districts. They put kids in portables. People don't realize this. We've lost schools, teachers, we've lost kids. We're just getting back to right now. We've got people that are asking where housing is. Heck, you know, I, I kind of figure, you know, housing everybody, I feel like the game, where's Waldo? I'm trying to find where the housing is along with Waldo. I don't even know where it is. So when you say state of repair, right. it's a slow process. Some people were seeing some building, it's kind of cosmetic, right. but internally it's kind of like health. On the outside, you, you're looking okay. In the inside, we've got a lot of people still with a lot of pain and a lot of injury,
1: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, you know the senator and I and, and Abel overlap just like J.M., and people are reaching out. And I do want to say this while we do this conference: who has shown attention? In my opinion, and what you should ask the other legislature, the governor's office. Mm-hmm. The governor's been here. Mm-hmm. GLO is getting beat up. It's not really them, it's mm-hmm. FEMA. But I want to make sure John Sharp's Rebuild Texas. Mm-hmm. I see Gene here who's on the board. Those groups have been here and they've really reached out to help. And I'd like to s-
3: ahead, compliment real quick, Chairman. Um, I sat in on, a, on a, a couple of meetings that Governor Abbott held uh, with John Sharp, and one of them was in Aransas Pass in the City Hall. They Put tables together, and he was the governor was at the head of the table, city managers, mayors, uh, chief of police, and they. He was doing something that I had never seen happen, and I would assume happens in the White House, in uh, in the Situation Room, where he's asking everyone what they need, and he immediately turns to his agency heads who were there as well, and tells them, "Take care of that." Like right. mm-hmm. making the connection between a city manager and and the head of the Texas Department of Health or the, the head of DPS or GLO, just like that. And things, it, it cut the bureaucracy. And you,
1: and you feel like that that's still going on here after yes. we're out of the emergency stuff? I do. Yes, sir. Senator, there was a number that I saw fairly early after this storm, and it was a number related to what Hurricane Ike cost. And it was that the federal government had spent $31 billion in aid and that the state government's Part of the tab was only 300 million. So the takeaway from that, early in that storm, it's a one-off. Was this is going to cost a lot, but it's not going to hit the state budget particularly hard. I get the impression that's not the no uh, how it is this time.
2: First of all, we still face uh, many challenges. We have people who are still living in hotels. People don't have; they're living in trailer homes. Uh, the money coming in from the federal government uh, is trickling in uh, very slowly. Right. Uh, it's a maze of bureaucracy that's set up. Uh, it's very confusing to local public officials and uh, citizens trying to get help. Uh, our challenge, <clears throat> we as a state have put in about $2.5 billion already, uh, direct uh, funding for different needs uh, other across state agencies. Uh, our schools are the biggest challenge for a simple reason, that many schools are shut down. Uh, they will lose uh, property value, will be in decline. So we're looking at about $5 billion. Uh, expenditures for this, uh, from budget. The state. For, for, correct. Right. Well, and we already spent about one point plus billion uh, on public education trying to help schools uh, that are taking in new students to buy uh, the proper equipment and fit in uh, in the classrooms. But if we look into the next, and, and this is, you know, this, when hurricanes like Harvey, as probably the worst hurricane that ever hit us here in Texas, if you look at the past, I Dolly. How many hurricanes have hit Texas? Yet, uh, every time the hurricane hits, we try to reinvent uh, how to respond to the disaster, to the hurricane. Instead of having a manual uh, that gives direction, we know what needs to be done every time we get hit by a hurricane. Right. We, we, no, th- that is really a, a, a big issue for us at the state level. I think number two, in terms of the money flowing, uh, is coming in very slowly. Uh, I think uh, HUD uh, has uh, about, $5 billion uh, to, to provide and help uh, homes get repaired or replaced. Uh, but at the state level, coming into the next session of the budget, we, already, we are already looking at about a $10 billion hole, not counting. Uh,
1: not a deficit, but the difference between what you need to keep doing what you're doing and what you expect to bring well, in. Well, see, but we,
2: every session we have a supplemental budget. Uh, this last session, uh, we delayed payment of 1.8 billion dollars to right. Uh We underfunded uh, Medicaid by 2 billion plus. We lost 100 million dollars on internet tax. Uh, there's another payment due to TaxDot under Proposition One and Seven. Uh, That's almost 6.6 billion dollars to TaxDot. So we already have our 10 billion dollar deficit. You add the money we're spending right now as a state to help out uh, public schools, to help, help out the agencies' response to the needs of the constituencies, uh, that, that's already another $15 billion mm-hmm. overall. So uh, yeah, we do have challenges in trying to figure out how to pay for all this. The damage that's being caused by Hurricane Harvey is not something that we'll be able to repair overnight. It's going to take years. Uh, to deal with the damage and get people back in their homes, quite frankly. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, Ross, the uh, the, the one thing that we should not forget is the fact that we still have the rainy day fund. And if Hurricane Harvey isn't the rainy day that we had you know, saved for, then I don't know what would
1: be. It's about $11 billion It's right at, at least
0: $11 billion. So when you when you look, when you factor in the revenue estimates, you know, from the comptroller's office moving forward and when you uh, consider the rainy day fund, you know, I, I'm gonna be one that's gonna be pushing that we draw down on the rainy day funds for the impacted areas like Rockport, Port Aransas, uh, you know, this, this community here because uh, one thing that we've learned, you know, as chair of the Land and Resource uh, Committee We have oversight over the general land office and who's now been charged with essentially the recovery efforts of the state. And when you realize that there is so much bureaucracy within levels of government, and specifically between FEMA and the GLO or the state of Texas, there's a a laundry list of things that you have to do in order for that money to go from one to the actual person that's impacted. And that that takes... Mm -hmm. That's that's unacceptable because you've got people that have been living for nine months out of a home or outside of an area that's not their home. Outside of their house, and we got to get them back into their homes. We got to get our in order to rebuild a community. You have to get the community back, and and that's what's taking a long a long time. And so you know I'm going to propose that we as a state have funds available that would be immediately provided to our communities that are impacted, like Rockport, Port Aransas, because having to wait for FEMA and the federal government to jump through all of those hoops that they require us to go through is unacceptable, and we can't wait to do that. And when you look at what rules are in place, we have to, I think, revise those, because when you had local elected officials that know where the community is, is in greatest of need, but cannot find the name of that person because FEMA, who's already uh, taken their application, is prohibited from disclosing that information to the person without that person's consent, so you essentially have a person in need with someone ready to help, but without knowing exactly where to go, and, and that is preposterous. It is we have to change our system uh, in a way that it is responsive to the needs of our community, uh, and that 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 goes from the top yeah. to the bottom. And and I say that with all due respect because I know that the local officials were pulling their hair because they want to get their communities back and running but they can't get the assistance effectively and immediately in the times that they need it. And so for us, uh, at least for me as as a state legislator, we don't have oversight over FEMA. And so even when we invite them to come testify before state committees, their position is that there's a policy in place that they're not permitted to speak publicly at a state forum or public hearings. So who's, that's, the, who's, that's insane.
1: who's who can blow that up for you? I mean, who do you go to to say blow this up? I, I think
0: get- we go to the the US con- the Congress. I think we go to the the I mean, presidency. That's not, a, that's not a finance problem. That's it, not it's the problem. It's right? not. It's it's a simple solution, I think, but When you have those systems in place, that's really frustrating and and, and I get frustrated and and I'm not in those impacted communities as Rockport and Port Aransas. I live in my home. My children attend the same schools that they've been going to. And and so we feel the frustration uh, that they have And, and we must do something immediately because we cannot withstand another storm and go through the same process where we are now because we will be further behind in our progress of where we need to be. And our state is much better than that.
1: Mr. Lozano, what's the biggest problem still in your district as a result of this storm? If, you know, one easy way to put it is if if, if the Senator Hinojosa and the Finance Committee could write a blank check, they can't, but if they could, what would you use the first money for? What's the first problem in your district? Is it housing? Is it...
3: It's... Um, I, I do think it's housing. I do think that there are still homes that uh, they're, they were in the gap. They haven't been able to get enough funding through whether it's the insurance, that, dis- that amount is still in dispute, or uh, whether it's uh, what they believe is required to, to fix their roof. Um, many are not coming back. Many are staying wherever they moved after the storm. Um, and as mentioned earlier, there will be enrollment declines in our schools and that will reduce the funding for those schools. Um, If there were one thing that that could be done much better, it's it's again a federal question, but it would be uh, to allow for the uh, rapid disbursement of funds directly to the counties or cities uh, immediately after the storm for housing needs. It's so much quicker if they're able to go to uh, Ron Hoover, not to plug any specific, but an an RV place, and say how many trailers do you have we have 40. I want them all, and you immediately go put them where they need to be put. Then them sitting in Beeville to this day uh, because of the red tape. Unused. Re- acquired. Yes, it's just that's that's ridiculous. And there was a nonprofit uh, out of Corpus that bought four or five trailers. Within a month, they were already out being used. You know, here we are almost nine months, and there's still some parked in Beeville. I I can't comprehend that. Let me echo the sentiments uh, that Chairman Hunter
0: mentioned earlier, which is the governor, in my opinion, has done a a great job uh, in making sure that the red tape, at least at the state level, uh, is eliminated. Uh, We had that first meeting where uh, essentially a, a lot of the elected officials, mayors specifically, that have jurisdiction over those affected communities, and the, de- the debris removal, for example, I mean, th- these are things that people may not consider as part of their plan, but the debris removal was so large that uh, individuals were asking f- the ability to, uh, you know, waive the burn pan, the burn Right, can ban- we burn the
1: trees down that are blocking th- th- the driveway? Exactly. Or things
0: that, that, that wouldn't be a, a health hazard or economic, uh, ecological uh, danger. To, to get rid of that debris. So the governor was, was swift, I think, and, and efficient in uh, issuing orders to state agencies essentially either to waive this provision or to, you know, with, immediately approve that request. And so things like that are important. And then I think that if we use uh, this experience moving forward, that those are other items as we come across them to note them and take notes as, as we proceed. I think that we can do a better job of, of immediately recovering from a storm, uh, whether it be Hurricane Harvey or anything else.
1: Mr. Hunter, I want to talk to you about a fight you've been in for at least 20 years that I know of uh, with, uh, regarding a, a thing called the Texas Windstorm Insurance Association. You want to talk about TWIA and about it's, a, it's kind of government, it's kind of private sector. I, I couldn't, were we talking about a
4: medical illness or were <laughs> we talking about insurance? <laughs>
1: Interest. <laughs> talk about TWIA. Talk about, talk about this rebuilding problem. And, you know, we're talking about bureaucratic hurdles and problems here. Uh, it seems like that's one of them.
4: Let me just say this first. We have been fighting in this room right here, my coastal region, my South Texans, for 20 to 30 years and it needs to be better. I do want to compliment so you know, in the room is a board member of TWIA from Port Aransas. And she is one of the voices for the coastline. And so my comments are not related to her. TWIA needs to be fixed. These are people right here. They are not products. They don't need seven adjusters. From Rockport to Port Aransas to Corpus Christi to San Patricio, Aransas and Nueces, we have been paying for 40 years since the last hurricane. We have changed the law, senator, chairman, chairman, so we wouldn't go through speed bumps in life to get you back. So do I think TWIA needs to be taxpayer represented?
1: Yes, you pay. But talk about the problem. I mean, it's been an impediment. I'll just tell you what the
4: problem is. Number one, if you pay for insurance, don't you think you need to be getting fixed? How long you paid? I guarantee you, you don't get five different people living in your house to pay your bill. like You get five to seven adjusters to get your house, hopefully. You also have a situation where if somebody tells you, I accept this in full, you think you're getting paid in full. No, you're not. You're getting paid what they want you to pay. We have got to get people back in their homes, Ross. TWIA can do a much better job of dealing with people that are their customers, that are their lifeline. If they're not gonna be people driven, let's get a new system in. I can tell you that is a priority to me to go into the next session to take a look at TWIA, see how they're operating. It's my understanding, well, yesterday in Port Aransas, the Port Aransas City Council last evening passed a resolution asking us to look into TWIA. When things like that happen, it gives us a motivation to take a look at how we can get people. And let me give you one other comment sure. when we talk about twin and insurance. You need to let us know. There's a Texas Department of Insurance. What's that comment about? I wanna hear from everybody who's being helped or not helped because we can't help you. Here's what I want people to remember. This is the coastline. These are coastal folks. We're in the South Texas zone. We're a me-familia area, my family area. Right. These folks here take care of each other. That day after the storm, they were out there. They set the example for the rest of the nation. Texans helping Texans. And it bothers me that after 40 years of paying, it's taken, looking like it's taken 40 years to get you back to where you belong and that's wrong. And so, yes, I think we have a problem. Yes, it can be done better. Yes, I'm gonna take a lead, and I'm gonna ask my other colleagues, who I'm sure will be with me. Poor Chewy and I have never had a better hairline. We've been fighting this so long. (laughs) He and I have joined the Windstorm Hair Club for Men. It's been that long fighting this. Abel has been there with us, J.M., Yes, it is a concern. And I tease about it being a medical term, but my point is let's treat taxpayers, insurance payers, homeowners, families, kids, reasonably. And I want to add one other little issue. Abel and J.M. and Chewy are correct. Next session, we're gonna to have to look at financing. We're gonna to have to look at school financing. But let me tell you another issue, and this impacts that insurance. Property taxes and appraisal. What are we doing sending property tax notices on sand? There used to be a home. So there's a lot of issues that will come into the next legislative session. That's why it's so important for the insurance side, the TWIA side, take care of these folks. Because that is their palace. And it may be from 600 feet to 3,000 square feet, but they shouldn't be prevented from getting back in.
1: Senator, you want to take a swing at that?
2: Yeah, you you know, uh, one of the principles of insurance is that uh, you spread the cost. Uh, And it's been a challenge trying to get uh, West Texas up at the pinhandle to support that the the whole state ought to pay uh, for any damage that's done uh, from a hurricane. When there's a tornado up in the panhandle, uh, when there is a blizzard up in the panhandle, uh, we help pay for those damages and help people recover. But for whatever reason, uh, there's always this pushback. Uh, Every time we try to fix TUI up so that the cost is shared statewide and not just by the coastal communities. Uh, and, and we fight that every session. Uh, they have this uh, picture of, of uh, nothing but wealthy, rich people living on the coastline. Lifestyles that was
1: uh, rich and famous,
2: right? <laughs> I imagine, but they, they don't understand we have a lot of working people <laughs> that are not rich. Right. There are people just work every day to support their family and make a living. The other part on property taxes, keep in mind that the Hurricane Harvey... A lot of damage, so a lot of property. That means that the public school system will be losing uh, our estimates at least around $5 billion uh, in in value. $5 billion. $5 billion. That's what the projection is. Well, we as a state got to come in and try to help make up uh, that loss of revenue. Uh, And a lot of those schools now, uh, their property value will decline, and they won't have... The, the the tax revenue to be able to support the schools. Yeah. So it's a real challenge. We still don't know the final cost, uh, but as we move forward, I know some communities are trying to reappraise the property. Uh, some are not, uh, but if you have a home destroyed, uh, and you already said you got your property tax bill, you don't have a home, and yet you're gonna pay high property taxes. It's a real challenge for our local public officials. For us, at the state level, we're looking at the overall picture how much money we gotta set aside. And one more point on the rainy day fund. We do have close to $11 billion. My prediction is, uh, from listening to Governor Abbott and, and other, uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, uh, is that we will dip into the rainy day fund. We have to, uh, to try to meet some of the costs uh, that we're facing you think they'll state. open
1: state. They'll unlock the key to that.
2: Well, we have to be in session in order to be able to access that. that
1: um, but do you think that they'll, I mean, there's been a lot of resistance to spending any of that money.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we will access the Red A fund. We'll not be able to meet our responsibilities uh, next next session to have a budget that's workable and doable uh, unless we access the Red A fund. And that can't be done without the legislature being in session.
1: Representative Herrero, if you were taking your notes from this disaster into the next legislative session and saying, okay, so we ought to do... We've learned a couple of things here. There's some things that the state ought to do in future disasters, whether they're hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever they are. Um, what's on your list? What's this? What, what do we need to take care of? That, you know, maybe nobody thought of or nobody was ready for, sufficiently ready for before this storm.
0: A couple of things, and, and, and we've, we're we're taking notes obviously, and some of them are not related specifically to the state's responsibilities, but. Um, and I'll take it in reverse order. So one thing I think the state should have is essentially an an entity that has sole responsibility or at least primary responsibility for recovery efforts. Uh, The state of Texas found itself uh, immediately after Harvey realizing that we don't have a state entity with responsibility of ensuring the state's recovery of a disaster. And so that responsibility fell uh, on the general land office. And so they were struggling to figure out how do we implement the programs that will help people get back into their homes? How do we implement the program that will actually provide the funds from a federal uh, HUD monies to the actual homeowner? How do, we, how do we even have the employees or personnel to actually go out there? So they, they actually got the Texas Ag Life Extension personnel to actually work as representatives of, on behalf of the state with respect to hurricane disaster recovery. So there was a lot of learning uh, lessons, if you will, not just from a a policy uh, perspective, but also from an implementation perspective. And so uh, that that one thing is for sure. Uh, When you look at the time of the hurricane, at least here in our area, there were... uh, we could have better communications during the storm. So part of what I heard from people that testified before the committee is that we knew of individuals that were in immediately affected areas and we did not know their status because there was lack of communication. So I think better communications that will help withstand uh, a storm or an event. And there's talk about what types of technology we can use during the storm, but then also after the fact is We knew, uh, as was mentioned, that everything pretty much in that area of the storm was flattened. Telephone poles, cellular towers, you name it. So there was no communication that existed after the fact. So when you talk about trying to get recovery efforts or response teams that were ready to move in, the question was where and how many and what's the assessment. Uh, So those are some of the things that we need when you look at the Beaumont area, uh, you essentially had Beaumont that was flooded in like an island. And so the question was, we've got fuel trucks ready to go, we've got water trucks ready to come in, but we never thought that the roads would be flooded. And so we had to use the National Guard, other forms of airlifting uh, mechanisms like helicopters to actually get that water into the community. So the, these are logistical issues that we've come across that we're learning as we move on. So. When you talk about the immediate response, there are some issues there. When you talk about the actual infrastructure that's in place, that's another issue. Uh, and then when you talk about the actual application process of individuals to be able to get that money, we have to do a better job, I think, in making sure that that process is simple and easy and, and it is effective and efficiently and quick because that money has to get from where it is to the actual impacted community. And, and those are issues that we're learning uh, as we go on, uh, that we need to make uh, corrections to to make sure that we we make those changes.
2: Just a real quick on, uh, add on, and, and if we didn't learn from Ike and Dolly. Uh, You're it was
1: going exactly where I was going to go. Right.
2: <laughs> six years after they they happened, the people still were not getting their money for the homes, uh, trailer homes are still stuck someplace. in the federal bureaucracy, uh, and we shouldn't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, if we learn from, from a hurricane, we don't have a manual, uh, at least uh, a framework by which we approach uh, and, and deal with some of the issues that come up when we're trying to get help uh, uh, to uh, people that have been uh, damaged and, and, and lost their homes and need help. You
0: know. the, the other thing, Ross, is that when you look at Hurricane Harvey, uh, at, at least in my experience, it, it was before Hurricane Harvey, it was there's a, a, an area of landfall, and the hurricane comes in, makes landfall in wherever area does, and it works its way inland to San Antonio, to Laredo, and then it dissipates and becomes a, a storm. Right. This one was different. It actually hit landfall here as, as a hurricane, wind-driven event, caused severe damage, then essentially stalled and worked its way up along the coast. Right. So I, I, Hurricane Harvey is a unique hurricane uh, because I think one of the, 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 the category of which it came in, two, the length of time that it stayed along the coast, and then three, the, the length of damage that it has done to our Texas coast. The other issue that I want to point out is that when you look at the, the, hunting, the HUD formulas and how those monies are provided, and, and specifically to Congress and how it allocates those funds, Yes, Houston is a large community. Yes, Houston has a large, uh, a large uh, a monetary amount of damage caused by flooding, if you will. But the proportionate effect that Hurricane Harvey did to Port Aransas and Rockport is the same, if not more. Right. But the amount of monies are earmarked 80% to Houston and then the rest to everyone else. To me, that's not a, an effective means of making sure that communities like Rockport and Port Aransas are actually back where they need to be. Um, and so we need to look at those formulas as well.
1: I'm gonna sneak in another question, but before I do, there's a microphone over here and a microphone over there. And after I sneak in this question, we're gonna open this up to questions from you all. So, well,
4: Ross, to build on what Abel just said, Here Tribune is doing a conference here. Texas A&M Corpus Christi is hosting University of Texas Marine Science Institute because they've had so much damage. So what I want you to note is the sharing of facilities because folks aren't able to get back into their higher education facilities. I do wanna make one comment. You know, nobody here is looking for pity And nobody is looking for a handout. But I do wanna give you one symbolic resilience of South Texas and the coast. Hurricane Harvey whacked Port Aransas and Rockport right at the same time. We were first hit. But the resilience of the coastline is symbolic by Port Aransas. The liquor store, got torn down in Port Aransas the morning after the storm hit. But every liquor bottle survived that liquor storm. That's the resilience of South Texas and the coastline. We've already heard about barbecue, so the essentials were (laughs) better it.
1: So so the question I want to sneak in before uh, they begin asking their questions is, how long is it going to be before Hurricane Harvey is no longer a public policy concern in Texas? You know, you talked, Senator, about Ike, six years later. Um, how, long, how long are you going to have people not back in their homes or still in some state of disarray or school systems in some kind of you know, readjustment because of this storm?
2: I, I think well, the extent of the damage is very severe. Uh, and I don't see a recovery in two, three years. I see this uh, long term recovery, uh, maybe six, seven years. Uh, this is uh, the magnitude of the damage that was caused by this hurricane. Uh, is enormous uh, along the coast. Um, and the, the amount of rebuilding has to be done, the amount of uh, financing and, and funds that are needed, uh, uh, it'll take more than, than uh, I would say, six, seven years, eight years.
0: It'll be long-term, Ross, because uh, until every facet uh, of lesson learned from Harvey is actually addressed and fixed, it will always remain an issue of discussion because we cannot allow uh, the mistakes that have happened or, or the lack of recovery that is, that is existing in certain areas to continue any longer. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I think for, as many, for the reasons that I've stated before, I, I think Hurricane Harvey, uh, when you look at it from a meteorological standpoint, when you look at it from an economic standpoint, when you look at it from a uh, disaster recovery standpoint, I think that Hurricane Harvey for many, many, many years to come will be uh, the storm to look at, uh, to study, and, and to make changes as a result of
1: you think it's going to take a while?
3: The, yeah. The one thing I, I, I remember is driving from Morant's Pass to the overpass where there were probably 40 cars parked on the shoulder because you could get one bar on your phone. And, and I was calling several people um, about what I felt was a lack of immediate response. Um, and I, I basically posted on my Facebook also pictures because everyone was talking about other areas other than San Patricio County. And to me, that was a problem. Right. Um, and I said, life will never be the same, and it, it won't. There are still parts of San Patricia County that will never be uh, re-inhabited. There are forever going to be, uh, there's, where there were homes, there will never be homes there again. People uh, know that, that their life is in peril based on what the damage they saw. Um, the storm did something also that, that it, it, it made everyone realize how vulnerable we really are, how we could, in, in an hour, be blown into the Stone Age. Um, and in 2018, that should not be the case. So one thing that this next session we have to do is find a way to get our law enforcement personnel, um, uh, our first responders, uh, satellite phones. Uh, there was no communication. Uh, there was no communication. No radio communication um, as well. And so if they have to call Halo Flight uh, because someone's having a, a cardiac event, that could save a life. Um, and they're inexpensive. You can buy them on Amazon. I mean, there's, we shouldn't be at that point. Uh, same thing with the Internet. There should be satellite forums for our first responders. And there has to be a rapid deployment of uh, meals on Wheels uh, and uh, portable uh, potties <laughs> and, and even portable showers because people have a, a, a right but we to we did have, a pretty good job on you know, all of that, didn't we? I mean, eventually, generally,
1: generally speaking, the initial yes, response was pretty strong.
3: How long is this going to be a... But not the food. There were right. there, it, That was primarily through people on their own coming together as communities and cooking. Yeah. Um, But I'm talking like within a day or two after a storm, we should be ready to be able to deploy those kinds of things immediately.
4: Reality, it's gonna take several years, but we've given you the impact. Now what's gonna happen, these are coastal folks, this is South Texas, we're all Texans. The one thing I can guarantee you, we're gonna be back. We're already back and we're working together. Trabajando juntos asemos las cosas. Means working together, we get things done, and we are. And the one thing I can tell you is, we've had a lot of House colleagues and Senate colleagues who come down and help actually cut wood. Texas is taking care of Texas, and we're gonna be back. It's gonna take some time. I hope another storm doesn't come this next session, which I mean June 1st because that could impact a lot of the law. Time, we're in the valley right now, but we're going to hit the hill. And we're going to be back. It's going to take some time. What we're trying to let people to know is don't forget the initial
1: areas that get hit. You guys want to ask some questions? Come on up to one of the mics, either over here
2: or over here. Well, he's coming up. You know, when a hurricane hits or disaster hits, the economy gets depressed. But then with the rebuilding, uh, the economy moves oh, wow. up. Uh, and on a positive part, oil and gas prices are going up, bringing in more funding to uh, state budget.
1: Yes, sir. You keep talking about the problems with feds.
4: I keep, and except for Todd, I want to hear you talk more about TWIA, because TWIA is a state group. It is a problem. Nine months, no payment. How many people, you're talking about having to get houses taken care of. If TWIA hasn't paid, the houses are not getting rehabilitated.
1: You have to address TWIA as a serious component of rehabilitation, this whole issue. Is there a way to speed TWIA up, A, and B, get this set? in some way, I mean, is is this gonna bring enough sentiment to the legislature to finally solve the the problems we've had with TWIA for decades? Right,
4: I'm gonna make a comment, but I think the other uh, legislators here, because I know they have theirs. First, uh, my friend who just gave you the question, let me build from it. When TWIA doesn't pay, that's costing state resources. That's why we need to get people back And they're also, what he's being kind about, is some federal agencies are saying, we're not gonna talk to you till you go get your insurance. Well, that's nine months later, you still have to go back to get that. The system doesn't work. It does need to be fixed. We need more taxpayer involvement on that board. That's the individual. And we also need to have more accounting I I hate, I'm sure everybody will stand up and agree, but I don't believe 95% of all your problems have been resolved. And if that's the sort of information that's being put out, I'd like to see some accounting transparency on where all this money and funding is going. I mean, that's costing taxpayers when they shouldn't have to pay. But on the TWIA, uh, I think everybody in the room knows my position. It, uh, probably we should let the other three uh, chime in because they'll have say so too.
0: Yeah, it, it needs to be reformed. Uh, you, you know, we've gone back and forth, uh, and we rely obviously on your assistance as a community to let us know what is working or what's not working. Uh, I know that there was some talk in the past just uh, abolishing it completely. And so the, then the issue becomes how do we incentivize the private insurance industry? to provide coverage that is uh, affordable um, in, in, in an area that is uh, considered to be high risk when you look at uh, assessments made by insurance companies. But whether you talk about Tuia or you talk about any private insurance company, I, I think, in my opinion, is you pay because you want to uh, essentially have someone come and assist you in the time of need. And insurance companies, TWIA, especially everyone else, for that matter, knocks on the door and is quick to receive the payment. But when it's time to pay out, you go into the issue of, well, is it a wind-driven event or is it a water-driven event? And I know that we've talked to some residents in Rockport, for example, where they said, it was not a flood, it was a wind-driven event. But it caused water damage. And so you have insurance companies that do this, you know, it's not a wind-driven event, it's a flood event. No, it's not a flood event, it's a wind. So at the end of the day, no one pays out, and the individual that has been paying on those premiums, maybe in some cases to both, doesn't get a payment at all right. to cover the damages. And so we have to have reforms. And, and I know that we've, we've done some things that are good. There's some things that I still think that we need to do that, that could be much better. Uh, in moving forward to make uh, the insurance
1: process more consumer friendly. Got time for another question if somebody's got one. Um, or we can just keep going on this. Um, what's going to speed TWIA up? I mean, you know, people are, we're nine months out. People are waiting to get out of hotel rooms. You know, what speeds this up? I'm answer quickly, and then we'll get to your question.
3: Well, um, I think that this last storm, uh, TWIA, for the first storm, uh, in their response, they had far more resources available. I mean, they set up, uh, in, in my, and I speak for my county, San Patricio County, they set up in, in parking lots, tents for claims processing, and their outreach was was pretty significant. And from that, we did get calls into our San Patricio County office um, from some homeowners that had disputes on the amount, uh, and We were able to resolve most of those with So you've had relatively good experience? In in San Patricio County. Yes, sir.
1: Yes, sir. Good morning. Uh, Let me first start by saying Texans are proud, extremely proud. So in regards to mental health, uh, what programs or how are we attacking that problem um, as far as behavioral issues, not only for children, but for adults, for couples, for families as well?
3: From what well, I understand, health,
1: public health issues.
3: Uh, the TA commissioner um, pretty quickly afterwards um, mobilized resources to help our school districts hire more people to deal with children's uh, psychological impacts from, from, from being um, relocated. From, right. um, in terms of the adult population, um, I, I honestly don't uh, know exactly. Um, what state resources were provided. Um, I know that our, our local hospitals and charities uh, were there and opened their doors as people had issues. But I think the outreach for the adult population, since it's not a captive population like kids going to class, there has to be someone actually going out and asking people, because psycholo- depression is a very uh, undiagnosed problem in society as, as we see it already. People aren't generally going to go get help. They think it's just a horrible event. I'm sad. No, I mean there's let, let,
4: let me jump medical in. Medical response and add would, to the question and to Reverend Chairman Lazar. Sure. Let me give you all an example. It's a great question, and it's going to be on the legislative issues that we're going to have to deal. Uh, the real answer, from my standpoint, is I don't think we're prepared yet on the mental health. Everybody, you're hit by category four. Just remember, there's only one other level, category five. You are hit by category four. Some got more bullets than others. But let me give you a real life example on what we're gonna deal with. And I think it's great you brought that up and I forgot to say it. I was talking to one of the superintendents in one of the affected areas. This was in October. Storm hit August. October, I'm over at the school, it's raining. The streets are flooding a little bit and it had flooded the night before. The superintendent says to me, Todd, next session, I want you and the legislature to take up children's mental health. And I go, what do you mean? He said, Todd, before Harvey, children, in this school had clothes and toys. He said, Harvey hit, they lost everything. He said, but Texas and Texans, right after the storm, gave those kids their toys and their clothes back. I said, okay. And he said, you see that water and that flooding going out there right now? I said, yeah said, all morning long, the elementary school kids Mm -hmm. have been running to their teachers saying, can we go home? Can we go home? Because they heard the water. They wanted to go put those toys and clothes on their bed and their dressers. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's a trauma that you don't feel unless you're in it. We're strong, but we're gonna have effects. Thank you for asking, but it's a goal we're gonna have to handle. I'm gonna have to call it
1: right there. Uh, we have got a 15 minute break here. uh, We're out of time. Um, uh, We've got a session on uh, saving the coastline, one on taxes, one on schools, Mm -hmm. and the conversation with John Sharp who's been heading the recovery efforts. I wanna thank Senator Chui Hinojosa, Representative Abel Herrero, J.M. Lozano, Todd Hunter, thank you very much. We'll be back in about 15 minutes. Thank you.
0: Good job.